0: tuning into Power Athlete Radio. It's CrossFit game season, which means like most people, we are comfortably sitting back and making judgments about the selected workouts. A question about what we'd like to see these high-level sport of fitness competitors perform sparks some pretty creative ideas. The guys also discuss our latest corporate swoleness challenge and answer some more of your questions about the butt wink, Indian club swings, climber training, the Power Athlete Secret Squirrel program, and all-time favorite WWF tag teams. This is episode two hundred and seventy.
1: Power athlete nation, what's happening? You've got Luke. Oh, thank God you didn't say what is up, John. And Tex here, ready to deliver another episode of the premier podcast in In strength strength and and conditioning. conditioning. People, John, my butt hurts. (laughs) Does your butt hurt, John? Are you butt hurt right now? Tex, are you butt hurt? No, uh, my butt doesn't
2: hurt. My butt is sore. I have a sore butt. My my liver's sore. Oh, yes. Double bachelor party weekend.
1: That will happen, people.
2: Where are you going this weekend Uh, for the triple? the he triple crown no I'm,
1: no that's a ghost luke that is, was a ghost
3: shutting luke a door is he's i uh, passed the baton he's got to go to i guess be a
2: best man at a
1: no no, no no not a best man i the officiant text Who's, dearly beloved we are gathered here today oh, Jesus. it's gonna be fucking epic did you
2: get ordained in the church of light
1: no uh i'm a dudist minister
2: ah uh, the church so of dude the church of dude yeah yeah, yeah the old church of dude
1: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen A word from our sponsors, Power Athlete Radio. (laughs) We are excited to announce the practical lineup. Do we have everybody? We have everybody for the practical, right? We're locked in. We are locked in for the 2018 Power Athlete Symposium. Are we docked? We are locked and docked. Like space docked? Yes. uh, Linked and synced. No, this year is locking and docking. (laughs) Or docking and locking. Ladies and gentlemen, we are docked and locked. Four dudes are going to be taking us through Saturday's practical session. So the Power Athlete Symposium is a three-day speaker experience out here in Austin, Texas, the new home of Power Athlete HQ. As you may or may not know, we moved here a year, almost two years, I guess a year and a half, a year right, John? A half yeah. and a ago. And – Uh, It's our end-of-year celebration, just like this podcast. We don't care what you think or who you want to hear from. We just hear from who we want to hear from. And over the past few years, we've had the great pleasure of meeting up with some of the brightest minds in strength and conditioning, leadership, lifestyle. And uh, our objective is to get them all in one place and expose our followers, our listeners, if that's you, to whatever they have to say, what is going to help empower your performance? The theme of the, twi- of the Power Athlete Symposium is knowledge is power. Everybody walks away with a different message. They have for the past five years. We've been doing it, right? But Saturday, after the first session of speakers, we get a bus from Austin, Texas, out to Power Athlete HQ Ranch. And we have room for 80 people, two groups of 40, to go through four practical sessions with our practical coaches. Obviously, people... We have Mr. Tex McQuilkin, who's going to get your chili hot. Isn't that right, Tex? Oh, yeah. What do you have to say about that?
3: Well, I'm more excited about the other presenters we got during the, the practical than,
1: than myself. But. The other man who's going to get you prepped and getting going. So do we know sequence yet? No, we, we have not designed So the we, gotta, yet, we, gotta we got So we got to circle these boys up. In. But here are the four horsemen. You have McQuilkin. You're going to get chill, your chili hot. And then you've got Raf Ruiz. Yes, of course, Raph Ruiz is going to be there. Strength coach extraordinaire. If you have not trained with Rafa Ruiz, your fucking, your head is going to explode when you see how he is able to just interact and engage with all of his athletes at once. Then we have Mr. Jim Quilbasso. Uh Jim is a podcast alum. He is the president of the IYCA. Illinois, or Illinois, <laughs> International Youth Coaches Association. Conditioning Association. Conditioning Association. He's out of uh, Michigan. He's been working. He's a speed guy as well. So, people, if you're looking to improve your, speed, uh, your print, sprint mechanics or sprint coaching and understand how these guys are working with their athletes at the Olympic level and at the youth level, you've got to get your tickets to the practical session. And, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, the grand finale of the practical session is... To squat with John Wellborn. We what? Are, yeah, John, you're on. What, Congratulations, um, you're part of the symposium. When did this happen? It, the it, power athlete six symposium seconds ago, <laughs> featuring John Wellborn. <laughs> <laughs> Much so, like this podcast, I didn't even know I was on it. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are we are batting around an idea uh, that that is going to be steeped in barbell training. It's going to be one of our new seminars that we're launching in 2019, and it is going to. What's the, uh, what do you call it when, like a movie, uh, like the a very, the, it's going to premiere, the premiere showing is going to be at the 2018 Power Athlete Symposium. You're going to get a taste of what that barbell seminar is going to, look, going to feel like. Old Wellborn's going back on the road. This is also an update to him. He's going to be traveling around to 52 cities next year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Right, John? Yeah. Uh, t- the teleconferencing.
1: Yes. No, uh, he'll be. I
2: think we'll have a decent amount of seminars that we're going to teach uh, oh, yeah. um, outside of Austin. You know, we've been kind of, you know, locking and docking, linking and syncing, doing whatever <laughs> we need to do here uh, to try to get everything up to speed and uh, come out with a pretty extensive seminar series in 2019.
1: So people... It's going to be an epic practical session. People fucking loved it last year. If you want to get down on this, you have to go to events.powerathletehq.com and get your tickets there. There's two types of tickets. One, where you get to participate in the practicals. Get that one. If you want to get down on this nasty shit with old Ruiz, Basso, McQuilkin, and Wellborn. I don't one
2: know if you should refu- uh, refer to it as nasty shit, but I think a enlightened experience mm. by some, you know, some people that do some stuff with some people that do some stuff. Yeah. And did some stuff.
1: A.K.A. Uh, not nasty shit, but yeah, groovy, stuff. groovy, yeah, groovy. Training people. All right, now getting into our episode, we have no guest for you. All we have is answers. Wait, so, hold on. I thought I was a guest. No, you're featured. You're are fe- featured attendee. No, what am I? Special guest. I'm
2: featuring assistant. The Spe- special guest, John. Well-Warm. Assistant
1: to the special guest. Yeah. yeah
2: so <laughs> I'm the special guest.
1: So, ladies and gentlemen, we put a call to action out on Instagram. And uh, we want to get some questions from you that we can answer, right? And I think this one's only topical because it is that time of year again, John. The CrossFit Games, right? So one of our guys, Bryce Dahl, is asking, Hey, at the CrossFit Games, we see minimal, if any, open-loop activities as tests of fitness. What open-loop activities would you love to see them tackle? That's pun intended. Uh, personally, he'd like to see some version of a loose ball drill or a 1v1 tug of war. Now, before we get going on this, Hey, listen, let's go ahead and educate our listeners. What are we talking about with this open loop thing?
2: Well, uh, in the methodology course, we get in pretty extensively. Which registration is open. Ooh, yeah we get in pretty extensively into uh, what we call open-loop and closed-loop environments. Now, a closed-loop environment would be something where we know exactly what is asked of us. So a closed-loop environment would be a basketball player going to shoot a free throw, a golfer going to hit a golf ball, um, you know, field goal kicker, Um, you know, lining up and the guy snaps the ball to the holder. Those are closed loop environments. We know exactly what's expected of us. We know what the the beginning and the outcome and the finish, everything looks like. And we can train specifically for that. We get into the open loop environment. uh, Now you have something where we do not know what the uh, the beginning, the middle, or the ending, or any of the environments will look like. So think about um, you know in a basketball game, the ball gets thrown in, and now you're in an open loop environment because you're playing the sport, you're reacting to the other individual. Uh, sports can involve both closed and lo- open loop. For example, soccer, uh, you have an open loop environment, but yet a penalty kick would be a closed loop. Basketball shooting free throws. So when we get into this idea of closed loop and open loop. Um, we are able to hone our skills and use our skills in such a way to master closed loop. When you get into open loop environments, those skills alone are not enough, and you get into the benefit of developing and fostering athleticism. And an important thing about that, in a closed loop environment, it's you
3: versus you. Think a 100-meter dash, an Olympic weightlifting, that free throw, it's you versus you. And then an open loop, you versus an opponent, you versus the environment. So your central nervous system has to read and react versus just executing the same movement over and over again. So it takes a lot of training, and that would definitely be a game changer. Well, but, at the CrossFit uh, Games,
2: uh, true. But I mean, some of the the best athletes in the world compete in clo- in close loop environments. Right. Uh, think about pole vaulters. Think about gymnastics. Um, You know, we think, uh, but yet, you you know, look at. um,
1: But there's but in those closed loop environments, the sport itself and the demand of that has such a small margin for error. Of
2: course. Well, because the mastery is so high, because you're able to practice it over and over. Exactly. But what we've seen is that um, if you can take a individual who's a master of the closed loop environment and put them into an open loop where they still are able to shine. Then you know what that becomes the hallmark of athleticism now you also yeah. have to remember the crossFit is not tra- is not searching for the fit uh, or the most uh, the greatest athlete on the planet they 're searching for the fittest person according in to ser- their definition well on their on their definition in July in Madison, Wisconsin, with a set of workouts that Dave Castro has programmed so mm-hmm. But that's kind of the claim for it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. what they've done is they've opened it up to the world. They've put money out there. And they said any, everybody can show up and everybody can compete for this. And so by doing that, I mean, they are essentially really testing for, for what they base their fittest person on the planet.
1: But, and that's not also to discredit how fucking hard this thing Uh, is and the training required to do it. Did you look at at day one? Day one involves
2: uh, so you got to ride a bike. It was 10 laps. Each bike's or lap is like 1,200 meters. And then you got to do 30 muscle ups per time. Then you have to do CrossFit total. And then you have to finish with rowing a marathon on a C2, which is like 42,000 meters. So, uh, you know, um, this thing, uh, I think CrossFit's really uh, searching for what I like to call the 11th pillar or like the 11th, uh, like, the you know, what would have the 10 components of fitness? Yeah. So the 11th component of fitness is what they're searching for, which I think is fucking just straight up durability. Yeah. I mean, think about your ability to resilience, resilience, durability. I mean, I, I don't think the CrossFit games winner is the person who, you know, is the most dominant. It comes down to the person who's the most consistent, you know, like kind of the middle of the road person who's able to kind of game it and not kill themselves. Um, which you know, I think for a lot of these guys, just comes down to being being smart with your workouts. Kind of like you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. You got to know what's your what's your strong suit, and you got to go, and the other ones you got to survive. So, so I guess what, what 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 would you like to see? What would I like to see in that open loop environment? I would like, I think personally, uh, for the guys, uh, I would like to see them have to uh, defend. Uh, play DB against a oh NFL receiver <laughs> with, uh, with an NFL quarterback throwing the ball. Straight drop back uh, like, um, you know, basically uh, uh, one-on-one, seven-on-seven. Yeah, like on seven. yeah, just basically like not they have to catch the ball. They got to D up a legitimate. You know, you bring out Fuck. Randy Moss who's over the hill. He's, a, he's an announcer now. You bring out Randy Moss or Tony Gonzalez And they have to D those guys up against, like, a guy like Tom Brady throwing the ball. It would be. And, and like, I would like to see that. And then for the girls, what I would like Mm -hmm. to see uh, is a little, like, I'd like to see uh, something like them basically being a goalkeeper against, like, Mia Hamm doing a penalty kick in soccer. Where they got to, like, move their feet and basically cover cover.
3: it. I'm not mad at that reaction with the goalkeeper. I like that. Um, I would say something that combines their abilities with a skill. So goal keeper, that would just kind of be reaction and yeah. maybe a skill.
2: Mm-hmm. but in, uh, Reaction and leaping ability. Yeah. And being able to cover ground, being able to like, assess, get your body in the right place, move your feet. So like a cornerback, there would be a combination of skill, technique, as mm-hmm. well as their their fitness, their speed. you got to be able to move your feet, move in space. I think if uh, they added some elements like that, it would completely alter the trajectory. Like I think what's interesting, and I noticed this from like Kara Webb's uh, Instagram and like uh, Sigmund's daughter and some of those girls, they all showed up with their bicycles. So they all showed up with like their other road bikes because they've all been riding bikes. And then all of a sudden it's like did somebody give them a heads up? Like because I don't remember, but every one of them, like, they all showed up with their bikes. So, I mean, they had to know that that was coming or mm-hmm. had the expectation of it.
1: Uh, I think you could do, John, on those drills. And I think this would be. I'm cu- Okay. Take the top fucking top 10 high school recruits. In the country. And have high schoolers go against these fucking people. I bet they still get smoked. Uh, oh yeah, no. I think I would, dude. I'm telling you, I'm basically an elite fitness athlete. What
2: about this? What about if they ask me and I get to go one-on-one pass pro against all? No, dudes?
1: But look, I'm, I would bow out. I, like that would be interesting. I would do like it. bulls and steers. I was like right? they all oh, like Oklahoma drill. <laughs> yeah. What about, uh, what
2: about uh, like can, uh, how great it'd be like? Hey, I John, do, but John, I think some of those guys would be. We brought okay. you uh, helmet, shoulder pads, and uh, we're gonna go Oklahoma drill. So you get to play guard, and they're going to play either linebacker or D-line. They can put them in, and uh, we're going to run the ball. And Dave Castro is going to run the ball.
3: Uh, returning serves, tennis, returning serve, volleyball. Mm-hmm. So I do like the idea, like the goalkeeper, like an instant reaction plus skill.
1: So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, just, you know, go different route. What if they had to do like downhill mountain biking on an unknown course? They have the cycling skills because they've all been cycling. Now sure. we add terrain. Right, and reactiveness, because they don't know the course. And durability. Yeah, because you fucking pull. go... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I think that'd be fucking dude, cool.
2: When we were just up in Mammoth a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were riding up in the gondola, and these dudes were bombing down Mammoth like, the, like on these bikes. <gasps> Fuck, man. We're do, like, flying, and one dude fucking hit the ground. Like, nope. He must have rolled like 300 feet.
1: Nope, nope. Uh, so, it, asked and answered, yeah? Yeah, maybe boxing. Oh, oh God. <laughs> we,
3: you got the fit. Now let's... You're in shape you get one one
2: minute uh being in fit like being fit for crossfit is one thing uh the fitness that it takes to be able to move after you take a heavy fucking hands like Mm -hmm. somebody puts their hands in you in a mean way um like all of your fitness and wind goes away exactly like you, you catch a fucking liver shot or a body shot next thing you know you're like
1: i'm missing blood and again people If you're like, oh, these fucking guys are hating on CrossFitters. I mean, we're not really.
2: No, uh, I have mad mad respect for anybody who's, one, done the volume of training that these people are doing to show up. And two, will show up and basically are like showing like it's kind of like, you know. They're exposing
1: themselves, right? Well,
2: it's like it, it's like Luke showing up at the bar to, at, at you know at his bachelor party, mm-hmm. Okay. Right? <laughs> right? He shows up. He's pretty much got to do whatever anybody wants him to do, yep. and he can't say no. Yeah. And so the fact that you know those guys aren't dying, but yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this: something
1: like, like you're not going to slap that bouncer uh, with your flip flop, John. Yeah, it was great. Just taking advantage of a young, uh, eager. Bachelor. I'll tell you
2: this: one thing I'm a little disappointed at is um, I really think that Dave Castro and Glassman should have to do the workouts as oh, well. Yeah um at least like a portion of it like ride the bike one in you know, one deal i think those guys should have to do something uh it just shows like a hypocrisy a little bit that like hey here we're sitting on the sidelines and we're gonna fucking test these people i think it would show uh a ton of character for for um for their corp, you know for their corporate structure if uh they actually fucking did their own shit yeah, I agree with that. Because I I mean, I, we what, do. I mean, fuck, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, we're up there fucking every morning busting our ass and training. I'm sure there's people out there that are crushing us, it, I but am, I doubt
3: it. I am worried every year. That somebody's going to die? Uh, no, like change the direction. That girl's going to go down, tear ACL, because they now introduce a new challenge
2: where it's like a zigzag or something, dude, and they go Oklahoma down. Oklahoma oh, drill. Per- okay, okay, think about this. What if you had Oklahoma drill, right, and you had the girls doing Oklahoma drill? getting all padded up uh, yeah so okay i mean i think i could pancake Kara webb i'm kind of thinking about it what's the uh lowering the head rule or is, is crossfit gonna go old school uh if you don't put your fucking head down to fucking try to knock somebody out in oklahoma drill nfl rules you can't you, out. you can't go helmet to helmet anymore the way you can't lower your head as a defensive player but you got to remember this is oklahoma drill this isn't fucking game okay. speed like So it's faster? Uh, well, so so my favorite part of the year now that uh, football's coming into season and we're getting mini camp or training camps and this, uh, I love seeing the clips of Oklahoma drill. Like when I see it, I'm always like, oh, God, just one more time.
1: <laughs> it is. Uh, Dude, there's there, a right there, of passage there, there, man. There's
2: nothing better than being at like 8 o'clock in the morning. You hear the cicadas, the sun's coming up, the mm-hmm. cut grass, and you're out there. And... All of a sudden, you hear everybody getting hype in that first fucking hit where you hear the helmet to helmet. It's just plastic to plastic. Mm-hmm. And you hear the. Hoo! And yeah. you're just like, oh, we're going to fucking get hyped.
1: You know, I used to. I used to be pretty. I used to be pretty good at that fucking drill. And it doesn't shock me knowing now that I know my bone density and the momentum <laughs> that I used to get. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have an update for you. <laughs> we are in the midst of testing a new progression that old John Wellborn is uh, has dreamed up. Or I guess been influenced through yeah. through some friends and family around in the no, strength game, right?
2: Well, there's uh, some research came in uh, that I read about um, that there is a basic like linear progression for muscle mass with volume. And I thought it was an interesting thing that is, you know, because there's kind of a standard number of sets and reps. If you were looking at like, you know, something like a Jack Street or some of the bodybuilding kind of uh, more, um, you know, like trying to put on lean body mass, there's kind of some parameters that I use for kind of sets and reps and volume and I read an interesting, uh, some interesting research and listened to some podcasts about people talking about doing, you know, linear progressing that and then frequency in that. So I thought it was an interesting thing for us to test. So we've been putting that program out. But ladies and
1: gentlemen, we have entered into our most recent corporate challenge. Now, listen, here's what you had to do. We had to all go get a DEXA scan. We got, we called the place, mobile place around here called Body Spec, And I think they're probably going to be at the symposium to do re- the final tests. Sure. Right. So we have a core group at HQ that's testing and we put money, shame and food on the line on yeah. every one of these it's so actually it's money no it's
2: money food money food and shame shame is always last
1: oh well food money, or shame, shame could be first shame in any way whichever <laughs> not the other way around well
2: the way it came down to is when we talked when we really sat back and looked at our core mindset and principles three things were motivating factors for everybody mm-hmm. one is money so you got to put some money on the line two yep. is food if there's mm-hmm. some form of meal involved uh-huh. and then the final one is shame Shame has Losers, done more yeah. to, to fucking motivate people into getting shit done than anything
1: else. Dude, just look at Game of Thrones. Shame, shame, shame. The best. Right?
2: That's, what, uh, that's what Texas is going to have to do. Oh, yeah. We, so look, let me. Uh, okay. So there are
3: three people at this table. Uh-huh, We've three. done two corporate wellness challenges. Right. And there's only one person that does
1: not have a championship. And you're talking about me. Yeah. Right. And so how, how am I shamed on that? Because i got, got two fucking cheaters over here. Now that we got two the DEXA cheaters. scan, now that we have the DEXA scan and it's none of this inaccurate BOD pod stuff where John can stuff quarters in a butt crack to reduce his lean body mass.
2: <laughs> uh, first of all, dude, uh, look at those pictures. I was fucking way more shredded than Nate's.
1: Hearsay. Nate claims
2: 8%. I was fucking, uh, there, there's no way hearsay. he was as lean as me.
1: It's all hearsay. I'm hearing it, you're saying it, hearsay. Uh, you
2: know what you should do? <laughs> you should forward Nate that picture and goes, John was 7%. Are you, are you claiming 8
1: but, people, here's the details now. We're talking science. We're talking technology. We all went and got our DEXA scan. And let me fill you into the last two years at Power Athlete HQ. Five, six times a week, John, would oh, you say? easy. We had to hear about Texas bone density. His Z index, his Z score uh, was 2.9?
2: No, 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 no. Three. 3.2,
1: 3. 2, which when he got scanned in 2013, 14, was I mean, it changed his whole life. It was the excuse why he couldn't swim. swim. It's why he would, would fall downstairs so hard. It was, you know, all this bone why, density yeah, talk, yeah. right? Guess what, John and I come to find out? We fucking smashed his bone well, density. Well,
2: here's the thing, Luke, and I'm, I'm going to just preface this. You did not do the same decks that we did. So technically, we you-
1: literally did. I used the same service. No, the same, you didn't. Yeah. No, your report looks different than ours. No, it's body spec. We're the same, literally the same service.
2: It, your, your What you sent me looks different than
1: mine. I don't know what to tell you. It is the same company. The, all right. The same company. Same exact van. Okay. So I have a picture of the van with the door open with the license plate. I have the picture of my van. They're the same fucking van. Unless they swap out x-rays nightly, which uh, is highly unlikely, okay. John. Okay. All right. So, but what the listeners so, need to but know? This has nothing to do with bone density, Yes, by it the does. Way. It has everything.
2: <laughs> so Luke's bone density was greater than mine. 4.9 off the charts. Yeah. The
1: girl asked me on a date when she saw it.
2: It was excellent.
1: It's basically the story. She's like, that's some sick bone density. You want to go get some sausages?
2: Uh, so uh, I t- we have a kind of a decent amount of sausage. And Kate's like, hey, we need to get rid of all <laughs> oh, this, this sausage this morning. And I was like, oh, really? And my kids are there. And I was like, girls, uh, uh, what I say? I'm like, we should have a sausage party. Yeah, it's football season
3: we should have a sausage party. And then the kids started going crazy. Yeah, sausage party. Love,
1: Tex loves a sausage party.
2: <laughs> uh, it's, probably, it's probably uh Was the,
1: this like a contrived family effort to uh, roast no, Tex? No,
2: this is This is, uh, I know how my kids are going to react. So I set these things up, oh, yeah. which is by far like the greatest part of being a parent is like, mm-hmm. is like influencing your kids in such a way that like they say things or do things that are hysterical and they don't know. It. Be like, oh, yeah, we love a sausage party. We should totally watch football and have a sausage party text don't you
1: love a sausage party?
2: <laughs> it's awesome. It's great.
1: So, people, the challenge of this—the name of this challenge right now—is called Code Name Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen, right? From the Pulp Fiction, pull, the nineteen ninety-four, yeah, nineteen ninety-four film, Pulp Fiction. One of my uh, favorites. Uh, Sam L's one of his famous scenes there, where he fucking say what again, motherfucker? Like, dude, one of my, that one of Big my Kahuna? favorite scenes. Yeah, Big Kahuna Burger. Ooh, New they make some tasty life. burgers. <laughs> But uh, so as you see social media, you see plenty of updates on us. We all weighed in. We all got our lean body mass. We all got our body fat percentage. Just to get a seat at the table, a chance at the $100, we have to increase lean body mass by 5%. Correct, John? Yeah. And then we have to lose fat mass minimum 8%. 8%. Yeah. And that just gets you a seat at the table to even, to even get to touch the money, to even get to taste the food, right? Yeah. But you're, if you fall in under that, shame. 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 I'm looking at you two. Shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you this. I, have fun on vacation, thinking about bro. I'm eating lobsters and doing wind sprints. That's all I'm doing. Seven days straight. Wind sprints. What is this? 1950s? Yes, football? it is now. No, you're, you're wearing. <laughs> some, Slice <them> up, buddy. <laughs> you're wearing some some uh,
2: some some high top uh, fucking Ride L's with some bike shorts. No, wind sprints is isn't that tropical drink? It is now. Uh, I'm imagining you laying around five days, pina coladas, lobsters, just actually just rubbing mm-hmm. butter all over you. Yeah. Like yeah, like Kramer
1: It's happening uh where do i want to go with this oh our block one folks are in it too so as you see all these folks tagging this ezekiel twenty we've got like 35 40 block one coaches that are in on it as well and they're going to be subjected to the same amount of rigors and torture we're actually stress testing the first iteration and then there's like a slight modification as we yeah. push it out to them based off of shit that totally fucks us now up now what's uh what's even more ironic on this
2: if you know your pulp fiction history you'll know that the quote from Ezekiel twenty five fifteen is not actually the quote in the Bible. Tarantino and those guys made it. Yeah, this they up. authored it. Right. So that's why when people are like, Oh, is this a religious thing? I'm like, No, watch Pulp Fiction. It's just what they called Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. So and uh, but yeah, if you if you go and read it, it's not accurate. But
1: anyway, so that that actually fucking uh, So we did rabbit hole a little bit there.
2: Did you know who uh, just a little pulp fiction, did you uh, when I was also researching that, do you know who uh actually keyed uh, uh car you remember he gets out there and he's like, Man, my car's been out of storage three days and somebody keyed it. So, uh, it that was real? Uh well, like no, but he's talking in about the movie. In okay. in the movie he had his yeah. I think it's a Chevelle or a Nova, he just got out of storage and it got keyed and the guy's like, Oh man, you should kill somebody. And uh, so they go through that whole thing and as I was reading through this like kind of like clips on Pulp Fiction and like the fact that they went back and rewrote it, uh, Bruce Willis's character is credited as keying Vincent Vegas car.
1: Oh no! So shit. Do, do they cover it in the film?
2: No, they don't really like like. Do you remember like, yeah, uh, like like maybe there's, like a little yeah, just like, like a subtle yeah, like like something in there. And I got to go watch it again. But when I read that, I was I thought it was even more funny. So
1: back to the questions, people. Sorry about that little sidetrack. Oh, but any here is the thing about it though, folks. If you're listening, you're going to be the beneficiaries of likely a new training program coming out in the next few months as we test this out and iron out what this progression looks like and what it could do for you. So strap yourself in on that. But Tony Fu, since we're on the we were on the CrossFit discussion. Tony Fu is one of our block one coaches. He's out of uh, PA and he uh, is asking us in a previous episode. You touched on how I think you said hens. It's might be a typo uh, how we all implemented an early version of bedrock at Belboes, CrossFit Balboa. Can you go deeper in how you decided to attack the limiters with regards to the programming, uh, with, with regards to programming the strength for a group of people who are not all at the same place on the progression, either physically or mentally? How do you stay true to the power athlete principles while making it consumable for the average Crossfitter?
2: Uh, we use the basic linear progression, um, and what's great about the linear progression is day one is not heavy; it's not meant to be. But if you follow the linear progression. Long enough, eventually it will become heavy and starting to challenge so everybody had uh um, you know what were they folders and they would come in some people mm-hmm. came in three days a week we had two days a week we had five days a week and what we made sure is that uh we had the workouts kind of all listed up like hey here's like all the strength movements you might have a squat a press a bench everything was listed and based off of what they did the previous time they were in there like for example if we came in and uh it was a monday and hey we're going to squat on this monday and you were like well i missed monday and i come in tuesday tuesday's my first day you would squat even though somebody on the second day let's say they were going to pull would come in and do it. So it was really based on when your training days. kind of similar to what you see for Grindstone, where like, hey, you have a a mandatory training days, your first two. And so we had, uh, I think it was a squat, a push and a pull were the mandatories. And then what we would create was the conditioning workouts were kind of uh, agnostic of those movements. So we wouldn't say, all right, hey, you know, uh, on day two, Uh, we deadlifted. There wouldn't be deadlifts in those movements, but there would be some other swing. So if Mm -hmm. you were in an opposite day and then we could kind of sub out movements, the biggest thing came down to just making sure that people were following a linear progression. And what was really educational uh, was we had people that were coming one day a week. We had two, three, four, and five-day-a-week people, and everybody had this different schedule. Um, the people that came consistently at least three days a week made dramatically better gains than the people that came in one and two. Uh, the people that came four made better. The people that came five days a week didn't make as good a gains as the people that came three and four, and that's when you saw the original CrossFit football progression was a four-day-a-week progression. We also realized by changing up the Metcons that when we programmed outside of 15 minutes when workouts got into 20 and 30 minutes, it fucked us over. On yeah, being you couldn't able to do get, that progression. Yeah, well, we couldn't follow linear <clears throat> progression. It took a couple of weeks to get everybody on cycle. So that's kind of where we figured out that the money shot was like 7 to 10, you know, 10 to 12 on the occasional 12 to 15 minute workout. So it looked like uh, two 7 to 10s, one 10 to 12 and then or two 10 to 12s. And it kind of went back and forth. And then we started, you know, looking for movements that weren't what I would call highly skilled movements in the conditioning. Mm -hmm. Like somebody can pick up and swing a kettlebell, and as they start to fatigue, it doesn't look awful. Now, if you ask somebody to do high rep, you know, full snatches, now all of a sudden on the third rep, they're tired, they're going to drop it on their head. So we started looking for what I would like to say uh, it was less technical movements in the conditioning and really kind of partitioned a lot of what I would call, you know, highly skilled technical movements into Either the skill development or the strength portion, and then just fucking needed people to work for a certain amount of minutes.
1: And what you got to remember too is these folks went through an onboarding class, right? So they had seven sessions where a coach, the best coach in the gym, not the donkey coaches we had there, uh, they they would go in and baseline these people, meaning they would get the base, they would walk them through the baseline of what their lift was going to be and what their starting weight was going to be, and then they explained how this was going to work as they jumped into the class. And an informed athlete is an athlete on your side. Well, uh, the the other thing, too, is I think we had
2: a a really good community of people. So uh, the problem is, is if your gym looks like uh, a bunch of overly pretentious assholes or people that fucking cheat and cut reps and are unfriendly and they don't like new people, then I think they're really screwed up. But we had a very good group of people that were friendly, wanted to help. And everybody, uh, you know, we had a kind of a rash of people that were cutting reps and people were upset about it. And so I would start manually counting reps and the people that were consistently way under, uh, either got a nudge and then were eventually asked to leave Mm -hmm. because I found that, uh, the people that were busting their ass, um, they would get pissed because all of a sudden they were doing something legitimate. And then other people are writing, you know, their name on the leaderboard. Like, I don't care if you cheat reps, just don't go ahead up there and write your name, fuck it first on the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. And that was a big issue for us, uh, which we actually see in Johnny Wad, which is is pretty hilarious. I'll look at these uh, like leaderboards and I'll be like, oh, my God, dude, like somebody mm-hmm. squatted 3,800 pounds for a set of 10 the other day.
1: So people and I guess just to, if, if you're new here, Bedrock is our foundational program. It's where we start everybody. The strength template is an ascending linear progression. We squat, we step, we lunge, we push and we pull every week. We have five barbell lifts, a squat. A press, a deadlift, a bench press, and a power clean. And the fact of the matter is, our coaches at Balboa knew that program like the back of their hand. And the program, the strength template doesn't vary; it's the same every fucking week. So they had the wherewithal and the capacity to 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 parallel a bedrock program potentially with a two week split program, right, John? Yeah. They knew that every new fucking person there, and the new person knew as well. They were on bedrock, and they knew that those two people, those people, had to squat twice a week and press or bench depending on what they're missing if they're an abbreviated schedule and and they have to deadlift right and even if the deadlift didn't come into the form of a a five rm and it was like we might have worked heavy deadlifts into some workout let's say it's thursday we're we're going to do a a, you know heavy double on the minute for six minutes or something right um and that's the type of shit we would do you'd see hard and heavy and fast where we would say okay well this week we know there's pulling this person didn't pull this week but they'll get it in the, the heavy metcon right but our coaches just had the wherewithal our new people need to squat twice a week. They need to bench or press heavy in the strength once a week and then need to pull heavy yeah. and dynamic. Like, and there's always dynamic pulling in the program. Yeah,
2: and uh, we push prowlers, which are just a concentric, so don't mm-hmm. have a ton of eccentric load. But um, we always you know, really wanted to do a bunch of carries and you know, heavy sled pulls mm-hmm. and just looked at things that really developed the person as a complete unit. Uh, and a big thing, too, is uh, moving feet. So I know we always kind of wanted people to...
1: You yeah, know, lateral plyo skiers, yeah. fucking agility uh, Like there was agility always shit. some agility
2: in the program. Mm-hmm. The one thing that drives Skips. me crazy with a lot of the programming I see in most gyms, uh, it's like their feet are glued to the floor. They just want to do it, and you know they don't want to move. But to develop athleticism and develop a complete unit, you need to move your feet, you need to move in space, and you need to do it seamless and effortlessly and have the opportunity to do it.
1: So, Tony, I guess the answer is make sure your coaches are educated on this shit. And if you people are listening and you want to be educated on it, shameless plug methodology is open, get a fucking go become a block one coach. Right. And when Tony talks about staying true to the power athlete principles, we're talking about the nine principles that we align regardless of the program that we're looking at, regardless of the athlete we're training, we follow these nine principles and it puts us in a pretty fucking good position to empower their performance and improve their athleticism. All right. So we talked about a little bit of footwork there, John, and just, Getting feet off the ground, unilateral stuff, speed, agility type stuff. Jordan Hansley says, what's the deal with lateral speed and agility? I mean, I don't get it. How can I best improve my and others' movement quality and performance for an athletic population? Uh, the single
2: greatest contributing factor to athletic development, intelligence, and really just all-around uh, you know, mastery is opportunity. So I I love how people are like, oh, how do I put lateral speed and agility into a program for a general pop and, you know, uh, know, guarantee that there's a movement quality and performance? Well, do you have lateral speed and agility programming written into your general prop program?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. If I mean, if you can't. Well, no. Well, then how would you expect that's like, hey, I want to run the fastest hundred meters in the world. Well, do you run the hundred meters? No, never well, shouldn't you think you should probably run 100 meters? Mm -hmm. So uh, the thing that kind of killed me a little bit when we started looking at uh, programming for not only gyms but traveling and teaching the CrossFit football seminar in the SSA was uh, how many people claimed that they were doing an athletic form of training but yet did nothing in the training that actually – Uh, fostered and developed
1: athleticism they just got good at that little drill well
2: i mean and if you go back to the methodology course and even really the foundations of power athlete is you know our idea of the definition of athleticism the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known or novel task Now, if you want to develop athleticism, you have to learn to be able to move seamless and effortlessly through space to accomplish that known or novel task. Mm -hmm. Now, that might look uh, like lateral speed. That might be agility. That might be change of direction, whatever it is. But the only contributing factor for that, now you can have all the genetics in the world, the strength, all the best shoes, the coolest fucking nanos on the planet. You can have the best surface. But if you do not put a progression in place to have your athletes create and have the opportunity to do this, like, for example, the crawl, walk, run methodology of like, of development and being like hey we're going to start developing some lateral speed with just some basic lateral plyos and then once we move through the plyos we're going to be able to move like on maybe a, a, even though i'm not a big fan of ladder drills but being able to put just a basic ladder drill in place so now you look about moving lateral speed forward and backwards in different directions and then actually progressing them into something that looks very open loop where now they're having to move and create lateral speed against something that's reactive uh, the problem is and we've seen is that, um, and this is just, uh, this is no gripe upon the CrossFit gym owner. Uh, you guys are only offering and teaching what you've been sold and what you've been taught in the methodology. And the problem is, is that the methodology that, that most CrossFits uh, subscribe to has skewed anything that looks like standard strength conditioning because Glassman never bought into it because he never studied it. And, you know, he uh, just kind of fucking scoffed at it and, you know, his statement that there's never been a contribute, you know, contributing, uh, you know, there's been nothing of contribution from a strength conditioning coach in the history of fucking strength conditioning is insane. Um, You know, if you look at a guy like Charlie Francis, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, some of the best sprint coaches in the world, if you notice their attention to detail and mastery of movement is the focus of everything that until you develop uh, the kinesthetic awareness, the neuromuscular patterns, the firing, the understanding of movement, it, it is ridiculous to add speed and intensity until those are put in place. So I think what happens with a lot of the CrossFit stuff and uh, really just a lot of people in general, is they you know want to cheerlead, they want to go rah 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 and get everybody fucking going hard and fast. And the problem is, is they haven't laid the foundation. They haven't created the strength, the structure, the tendon strength, uh, you know, the, the elasticity within any of the body to do these things. And then people get fucking hurt. And then, you know what, then they leave. And the coaches, they don't know how to, to teach this. So that's a big, but why, but, but here's the thing, Tex, uh, why should they know how to teach this? Well, I'm going to provide them with an no, opportunity. No, I, uh, I know we have the opportunity, but the problem is, is that you know, uh, CrossFit football SSA isn't around anymore because you know, I mean, you know, because you know, we can blame it on a 42 ounce Kobe tomahawk, uh, but the problem is, is that. There's nobody within that circle of influence that's really spinning an athleticism narrative. The best trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. The best trick, you know, Gigi ever played was convincing the people that there's a direct correlation between work capacity and athleticism, and we know that's not the
1: case. But, John, you had mentioned you don't want these guys to go fast, but isn't that opportunity? Don't you have to... They have to start moving, right?
2: But I I think uh, it's, you know, there's a reason that... Uh, We teach a lot of the sprint work and a lot of the sprint mechanics in basic drills in what we call like sprint progressions or warmups in our movements, because just basic, like high knees up tall and falls, lateral skips. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of those movements are preparatory to developing the body, getting it ready to sprint and run being ballistic enough. If you ask somebody just to do nothing but heavy barbell lifts and do all this, and then they go out and fucking sprint and they haven't developed anything in terms of, you know, uh, you know, punch and hammer knee mm-hmm. up, toe up, you know, fucking but keep your say- head down. Don't worry. You know, don't worry about horizon changes.
1: That's so I mean. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, kind of redirect that, is they're not... Re- I don't think a lot of gyms are doing regular heavy lifting. I could. Okay, maybe it's a coin toss, right? Yeah, maybe they're not. And I think it's more so... But along that lines, I, well, to add on what you're saying here, is a lot of... Like I've said it before, it's the sport of laziness. And even for the general pop, it's about doing the most you can without expending a total high doses of energy. It's just like a prolonged medium burn, right? Well, you can get in good shape that way. And you can, uh, you can. You can, but 100%. it doesn't you, prepare you for the impulse of changing direction laterally. It just doesn't prepare you for you stopping combating inertia and then pushing against that ground reaction force. That's very impulsive and high, high power output. Right? Can you imagine taking like,
2: let's say we have the CrossFit games athletes and it's like, Hey, you got to basically, uh, you know, ride a bike, which is, you know, know, saginal plane, uh, no eccentric load on a bike. You're just basically pushing. And then I'm going to have you do muscle ups. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to ask you to do a CrossFit total. So Mm -hmm. you're going to, now you got a heavy squat, uh, press and deadlift. And then I'm going to put you into a, a row. What if in the middle of there is like, you know what, we're going to throw the zigzag run. Or now you have to catch passes from Tom Brady oh and change the yeah, direction yeah, yeah. and some of that stuff. I just think the amount of injuries that you would see because people are so ill prepared to change direction. That's what I'm worried about. Space. Yeah. So in a way, that's what I was saying is that they're getting to the 11th element of fitness, which is just fucking durability, which is how much can you take? How much can you suffer? And here's the problem is when it goes on TV and now all of a sudden you got to try to one up the 2017 games with the 2018 games. The only thing they have in their pocket is more volume. So now instead of saying, hey, you know what, we're going to try to find the best athlete. We're going to fucking put some really exciting things out there. Um, you have to sit there and watch people row a marathon on oh, the rower, 43,000 so, meters.
1: So I'm just going to bring it back into
3: speed and agility. Go. Yeah, I do want to close it out. So where they f- would fail and get hurt in speed and agility is exactly where we begin to teach athletes how to move through space in our speed and agility. So we take the same, I guess, education approach for straight ahead speed as we do lateral, posture, position, and patterning. So posture begin, that's speed is a product of posture. Mm-hmm. Okay. From there, then we work on the foot position, the arm position, whether it's moving lateral or straight ahead. And or then squatting. Just, or squatting, yes. Or lunging. Reducing force, all part mm-hmm. of this, but then the patterning. So straight ahead, we know that pretty well. Skips, right? Same as sprinting. And then change of direction. We have these tools available. It's not just the opportunity of changing direction. It's that chunking together that you mentioned earlier, John.
1: Yeah. So I guess answer to your question, Jordan, is the training has to integrate into the task. Right. And that's the cool thing about athleticism is a lot of the position and the very specific points of performance and how we expect you to execute either closed chain or open chain movements. Everything is mapped over to lateral speed and agility. It's why we squat toes forward. That's that force bleed demo. Uh, it's why we lunge the way we want you to lunge. It's why we step the various ways we want you to step. It's why we do everything. It's why we do the warm-ups. It's why lateral isostability is so important in your side pillars, your Captain Morgans. Because if you can't adequately hold that position, how can we expect you to combat the inertia laterally as you change direction? Like, all of it's built in to your ability to move through space in these high-impulse ballistic type of movements, lateral speed and agility. So a quick answer would be, uh, you don't have to fucking know anything, and you can just follow the programming, right? Get into dynamic movement prep, throw that type of stuff into your training, and you'll get better eventually. And sure. it's doing like doing ladders once a week and uh, agility drills once a week. It probably isn't going to do it, right? No, but I mean the training it, has to be it, yeah, in At it.
2: least it's getting patterned. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of uh, of the speed ladders because it, it, it changes the pattern; it's different. But what I like about it is there's a conditioning element just having people go through it and going hard and moving. I think there's a conditioning
1: element for it. So I like it for that. All right. So let's go up with fucking Timbo slice asked an answer there, Jordan, Timbo slice. Um, Tim asks, I'm teaching a freshman football player in the squat. I want to communicate the importance of the hips from the beginning of the lift to the end. What is your 15 to 30 second blurb slash cue set of cues slash approach to making sure they understand? What's your opinion on introducing incorporating tempo with the major lifts for high school athletes? Tempo is as in pauses, slower concentric and eccentrics. Uh, We are for sure using the cat concept in our movements. Is there a good relationship to consider with the amount of volume sprints relative to intensity sprints? There's a lot of questions there. Wow. Uh, So let's start with the 15 to 30 second blurb.
2: uh, 15 to to 30 second blurb cues approaches. Um, I think, you know, getting on the same page with your athletes, one with foot position, toe straight ahead, big toe on the ground. And really just being able to really preface that and where they get their big toe, they're pressing into the ground, the knees are trekking over the end steps, and they're learning to actually sit back into their hips and then using the torque that we're creating by that foot here with that big toe down and being able to drive through it. Um, It's a difficult thing for beginning lifters to really understand. So they have to take time and you have to be able to kind of progress through it and just get them into a position where you know not only are they lifting weights, but they're doing it well and the technique goes. Uh, compensatory acceleration uh, is another really interesting piece when you start talking about tempos and compensatory acceleration. The idea become is as you speed up the eccentric load and you're, theoretically as you speed it up, you should be able to speed up your accentuation phase and then work on compensatory acceleration in your concentric. The problem comes down to some athletes don't have the skill set Especially beginning athletes to right. be able to, the they haven't done enough reps to even be able to use compensatory acceleration. So I think being able to slow the concentric, slow the eccentric, pauses, whatever it looks like if you're trying to teach the bottom. I think really just you have all of these available to you. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know compensatory acceleration by far for me was the single most. Important factor in my strength training that translated onto the field, and the reason being is I learned to move as fast as I could under duress and under weight. Uh, I don't think there's a single athlete in the world that will tell tell you that their um, sing, you know the most important factor they had for their high level performance was uh, slow eccentric reps or slow concentrics. And what he's trying to
3: accomplish with that is body awareness positioning sure where we don't want to use the squat to teach the squat we have the dead bugs we have the spider mans we have the seesaw walks we have that movement chunked out Mm is the opportunity them to move at a tempo that they're coachable and then guess what we want them to put it all together with a barbell on their back for a full squat
1: right so that that allows you to get your 15 to 30 second blurb is to build competency in these preparatory movements right and then use them as cueing mechanisms through a back squat.
3: Yep. And then compensatory acceleration, we go into, again, shameless plug for the Power Athlete Academy and on bedrock. Yeah, Tim, you got to get in, bro. Yeah. So, Cat, we don't really talk about Cat until it's about week 8, 9, 10 of our athletes on bedrock because they are coachable at that point. Mm. They've had a lot of reps and understand the position. And when you tell a, a week 2 or 3 athlete Faster. They don't know what the hell that means. You are just wasting breath as a coach. So they will have a reference point to speed really after that first reset. But once they get eight, nine weeks on the program and we drop that weight, then we're moving
1: fast. Boom. Asked and answered. John, can you elaborate on what the hell a secret squirrel program is? What is it? This guy wants to sign up for it. (laughs) No. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Elaborate on the Secret Squirrel Program. I'd like to sign up today. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so the
2: Secret Squirrel Program. I don't know if you guys ever... I I think it comes from a cartoon, which is like the Secret Squirrels. I think Rocky and Bo went Yeah, there was like the Secret Squirrels were like this. But uh, the Secret Squirrel Program came from actually if you... you know, Obviously, this guy's never read any Talk to Me, Johnny. If you go to this, uh, if you put in Talk to Me, Johnny, into Google, it'll take you to my website, johnwalborn.com, I think is, no, maybe that's my Tumblr, but whatever it is. Uh, But if you go in to Talk to Me, Johnny, it'll come up, and you put in Secret Squirrel, it should take you to a blog post that says 42 things I learned leading up to 2013. And there's also another one that's called the Secret Squirrel Hybrid Training And if you click on that one, (laughs) that will take you to what I call uh, is actually one called Lean Gains and CrossFit Football. That's just a tag. Yeah, I know it's a tag. But what came from was I um, there's always been this idea that there exists on some uh, innocuous message board on you know page 37 that you find at three o'clock in the morning that there's some hybriding of things that if i hybrid you know crossfit football with crossfit endurance and this and i mix you know intermittent fasting with this and this and this i can create this you know secret blend this secret sauce of training and diet and this i'm gonna sleep four hours but i'm gonna do nothing in like four hour shifts so i'm just gonna do like power naps and all that ends up happening is you become this like unique mess of low testosterone and ball of injury because it never works out. Programs are written for a reason. And when you start segmenting pieces and trying to create your own secret squirrel hybrid program, it just always ends poorly. Um, there's one uh, talk to me, Johnny Post called Kyle. Which uh, is probably the best one of it where a guy's like, you know, trying to do this and incorporate all this shit and he's wondering why he doesn't feel. And he actually quotes and says, I don't feel like Wonder Boy anymore. Well, yeah, no shit. So, uh, uh, Kyle, uh, that's Superman. That's his name? Yeah, Yeah. So, Yeah. So this is, uh, you know, like, if you go read that uh, uh, that article, it just goes through and it's just this, you know, thing that we've been talking about for, God, I, was, I used to be so funny. The fact that I made my own memes for this stuff uh, is just, it's the secret squirrel, man. Don't be the secret squirrel. Just follow the fucking program as it's written, dude. Uh, Jor-El is the father. Uh, so as you go through it, just, there is no secret squirrel program. It's basically a tongue-in-cheek attempt at humor by my own by me
1: all right so staying on the programming i believe this is my boy brady coach myers 19 so peeps we have 12 weeks to program for high school athletes right in season trains two days and off season trains three days how do you organize the program so that you can write one for all athletes Uh, How do you program or how do you organize the program one to two weeks on foundation, then a power phase followed by a strength phase? when postseason rolls around. Uh, uh,
2: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, One thing that we've realized is that uh, when you start getting into all this NSCM stuff, where now you're talking about doing block periodization for uh, strength, power, endurance, and all that. um, High school athletes. High school athletes. It doesn't really work for your beginning high school athlete. We put together what I call a concurrent training program where we look at developing strength and power. Uh, in a similar time domain and and concurrently. So as your athletes develop strength, their speed and their ability to generate power go up because strength is their limiting factor. Now you're going to get to a point where these guys become advanced athletes and their uh, ability to increase their speed and generate more power isn't dependent upon strength. So theoretically, the stronger they get, so many times the slower and less powerful they become. And now you have to start biasing what we would call, you know, plyometric speed and power type movements. But for the beginning athletes, they do very well in a concurrent training model.
1: Right. So does, does that does that answer question? I mean, uh, so Brady,
2: if they, he or, missed cross a football yeah, coach,
1: Myers, dude, yeah. you got to you got to just think like stop, breathe and focus on the primal. You have to do primal movements. You have Bad to overload. Right. So it comes down to the principles, buddy. Um, I hope that answers your question Maybe not I gotta take a break from all this fucking boring ass Strength and conditioning shit Okay here we go people It's time for Ziggs Jay Ziggs Jay Z asks You are the movie director tasked With remaking an 80s movie of your choice The Rock is your main actor What 80s movie are you remaking? Fuck I don't know if mine's an 80s movie I have to look real quick Who wants? Oh to go? you just
3: don't know? I, I can't recall. Okay, I'll, I'll lead off to buy you some time. They are actually making one of my favorite 80s movies of all time with The Rock, Big Trouble in Little China, and I am opposed to it as much as I love The Rock. But here's the thing. When he makes it, you're going to go see it opening night. Oh, hands down, no question Yeah, you're going to see it. it. In my Big Trouble Little China tank top. And tucked into my Wranglers and my boots, tucked in or my jeans tucked into my boots. The yeah. old Jack Burton. It's all in the reflexes, but you need something. Are you going to rename the uh, the pickup the Porkchop Express? That's not a bad idea. Maybe the next one. Uh, Maybe the I next love where one. your head's at right now He's <laughs> the only
2: thing good better than one pickup truck Is two pickup trucks Well if
3: my lawn doesn't have seven trucks on it I'm going to be very upset uh,
2: I'm going to think I might start dropping trucks off at <laughs> your place Because my wife's getting mad at me for all the trucks I'm bringing home we'll Bring them on Yeah. I can't wait I can't wait I think and I love Danny
3: McBride I think he's the only one that's just obnoxious Cocky for no reason that could pull off A Jack
2: Burton Oh really okay I think The Rock is, uh, I you know, I'm just excited that there's a movie that's going to let The Rock shine for once. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I haven't seen The Rock really shine since he was in... uh, Get Shorty 2? Yeah.
1: Dude, you haven't seen fucking CIA?
2: I did. I didn't like it. Oh, get the Uh, fuck out of here. Get Shorty, the one like he's, that was by far... That was his first ever movie, I think.
1: No, his first ever movie is Scorpion King.
2: Oh. Yeah, I think. no, but uh it, yeah, it was Get Shorty too, right? Where uh he, you know, they get out of the uh movie business and she get he gets into the music business. And um yeah, I think that's the best one. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Be cool.
1: So my move like my initial knee-jerk reaction was like a Van Damme movie, and I was thinking Time Cop, but that's 1992, so it doesn't count. So I'm going to shift over to my other childhood action movie star that I think The Rock could go, step in and not necessarily mimic, but grow the role to Steven Seagal. Okay. And I'm going to go with his, uh, his 1988 feature film, Above the Law.
2: Are you talking about uh, where he's like, uh, who killed Bobby Lupo? And, yeah. he, and like the pool room uh, where he just fucking smashes that. You dude. want me
1: to tell you the synopsis of it? A martial arts expert and former CIA agent, Nico Toscani, yep. is working as a Chicago cop when a relatively routine drug trafficking investigation leads to an international conspiracy. Soon, Nico and his partner, Dolores Jax Jackson are the targets of mysterious and powerful criminals. But he he refuses to back down. As Nico gets deeper into the case, he must contend with an old adversary, a corrupt CIA operative, Kurt Zagan. Ooh, I do remember that. I, I do uh, have one, but I, it's 1990. Uh, can't do it. Filmed in 80s. Filmed in the so 80s. So we'll entertain
0: <laughs> it,
3: but we won't accept it. We'll right, entertain yeah. it. It's it, only because the previous remake was a big swing and a miss despite kate beckinsale and jessica beale fighting but total recall
1: Ooh. did they remake
3: total recall uh, yes it was bad with oh, colin I, farrell I, I didn't even know that you it should like still okay. watch it
1: yeah it's like babe. an airplane movie uh, babe okay. you know what i mean
2: yeah. babe fight yeah Ooh,
1: but fan. uh man yeah i think uh, uh but i instead know, of so, i
2: know what my 80s movie is all right go. uh dirty dancing what i want to see the rock in dirty dancing and i want to see him not as patrick Swayze, but jennifer gray because nobody puts baby in the corner.
1: <laughs> so you're saying you're flipping roles.
2: I think he needs to play the female lead of Jennifer Grey.
1: I think it works. What do you think, Tex? Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, you know it's you know an 80s movie as well? Could you see The Rock doing Die Hard? Uh, what about Revenge of the Nerds?
2: Where he plays Ogre, you asshole.
1: Uh, maybe. 84?
2: Dude, I know my 80s movies, dude.
1: Well, that's when you peaked, so... Yeah, I know, man. Me too. We have a lot in common. <laughs>
2: uh, I always loved uh, Nerds in Paradise, 1987. Oh, one shit. Of my I, gotta, I
1: better get back to the questions here, people. Okay. Uh, so let's dive back into it, okay? I don't know if I want to even talk about this. Okay, so let's just acknowledge this. BM Holland says, People constantly talk about the butt wink. It's my opinion, not mine, but Mr. Hollins. Is is that where the uh, the butthole winks at you? Yes, Okay. <laughs> it is where the the pelvis winks at the bottom of a squat. Uh,
2: um, just mind you, is- I had never, I've never heard of anybody ever talk about the butt wink. I've mm-hmm. never even heard it as a mention. The only people that have ever discussed and talked about the butt wink and actually made it a thing was CrossFit. So for the last seventy years of strength conditioning from Zadiskorsky Verkashansky, um fucking uh you know, all the way through, you know, Al Vermeel, Charlie Francis, um, you know, uh, um uh, who's um I'm thinking of um only the strong shall survive um shit. Uh, but just for strength coaches and, and strength athletes the world over, the only people that have ever brought up the butt wink is CrossFit. Bill Starr. So, so just going uh, to leave that
1: there. So my man's asking, you know, his theory is that it's, it probably results from fe- people not starting in a neutral pelvic position. It's, it's a product of overarching from the starting position of your squat, and as you go down, you actually are going into neutral but your art, your overarch is l- you're losing at the bottom. Could this be a real thing, and what are our thoughts on it? So, John, you kind of shared. I that. don't
2: think it's a real thing. I mean, I've seen people do it, and it doesn't really upset me. I think the biggest thing, what it comes down to, is people don't know how to use their hamstrings when they squat. And I think they're, and, and he is right on an overextended position that everybody so, you know wants to start crossfit an, yeah, girl anterior
1: butt. pelvic tilt, right?
2: Yeah, like squeeze your butt, like you're trying to crack a walnut between your butt cheeks and actually develop some hamstring strength. The biggest issue that we've seen within the CrossFit athlete is the lack of hamstring development.
1: And here's a a pop quiz, you motherfuckers. Stand up if you're... Driving, all right, and I want you to stand up. If you have the ability to stand, stand up now. And I want you to stand up, put your feet about outside shoulder width apart, and I want you to put your toes perfectly forward. And I want you to grab the ground with your big, all your toes. And I want you to imagine a gorilla foot grabbing that ground, okay? And imagine you're almost like your feet are palming a log. How's that? And what I want you to do stand up nice and tall and put your hands on your hips, okay? Now, try to Tilt, tilt your pelvis forward and back think of like the kimosabi song uh, fucking hey kimosabi jump on it right hey, jump that one on before. it jump on it jump on it and now during that you do the hip move duh, duh, duh,
2: duh. But was you that get, done at the congo line at your wedding
1: probably yeah. <laughs> but you can tilt that pelvis forward and back right now with your hands on your hips still think of like kind of on the your glutes I want you to take those feet that you're still grabbing the ground with, and I want you to pretend that you're and that grabbing that log and you're trying to pull it apart or spread the world apart. You're trying to spread the world or grab the world and open it like a bag of potato chips. You spread that apart, and you should feel your hips turn on. You should feel your glutes turn on, right? And now, keep pulling that fucking ground apart with your feet, and I want you to try and tilt your pelvis. Let me guess. You're like, oh my God, I can't tilt my pelvis. Yeah. So my other... My other challenge to you people in, in assisting to get your hamstrings working and find a neutral pelvis position is start by your squat by pulling the ground apart and getting your hips turned on. And then as you sit down, if you keep pulling those feet apart and those hips stay locked on, you're going to hit the bottom of your squat. You're just going to hit it. And guess what? The only way to go lower is to stop pulling the ground apart. And that's when you're going to see a hip or a pelvis possibly tilt under, right? If... That is your position. But my guess is you're going to fucking hit the bottom of your squat and your your hips aren't even going to move.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, we don't really see it. I mean, yeah. I mean we've taught a ton of people to squat, and uh, I've really never seen the butt wink other than right. from the beginning CrossFitter. So I don't want really worry I, about it. It goes away. And I
3: think it, it happens or you see it because people try to go – lower
2: than they need to that's a squat as deep as you can as you have the stability strength and and musculature to squat the problem into your hand well for us well then and also i'll tell you this i also think the butt wing came from people squatting medicine balls where they reaching for where where they were intentioned. remember the well-intentioned cue of hips back hips back but they were trying to reach for this medicine ball and they would like tuck it underneath almost like um you know like a cat pooping and I, i just think it came from just some really shitty coaching So to
3: your point where you say think because they cannot find the neutral spine position, Uh, if you put them in a dead bug, neutral spine. Right. If we put them in a dead bug, they'll be able to find the neutral position. But then you stand them up. Can they maintain it? Is it because of their coordination? Is it because of the stability? There's a lot that goes into play, not just that they can't find it. There's so much, and every athlete is different. We just try to eliminate these common faults through our setup and then our guide through the execution, like Luke said. Get your toes forward, your knees over your arches, your insteps, grab that ground, and then search, find, and load those
1: hammies. All right. So, John, here's a question for you. Okay. Okay uh what kind of shampoo do you use uh, <laughs> so no, that's blood? that's going we're gonna save that one for the end okay when working with the throwing athlete i'm assuming you know shot disc javelin hammer how do you program volume of the throwing side and the non-throwing side
2: uh that really depends upon the athlete and where they are in their training. Right. So let's just so let's like, start with amateur. Okay. So if you have an amateur athlete and their limiting factor is strength, then you have to prioritize them getting stronger and which will translate into be them being more explosive with developing the technique of the throw. Um, then the problem will become that as their strength goes up, their limiting factor will not become strength and power. It will become their technique and their execution of the movement. And at that point, you have to start biasing the sport-specific training and actually the throwing aspect of it. And then as that kind of picks up, now as their technique improves, then there becomes another big assault on power and their ability to generate force. So uh, going through this kind of phase, you almost have to bring your strength up, and then you have to bring your technique up, and then as you're developing your technique and continue to hone your movement pattern, you continue to to drive strength and power. Now, where and how you get to those different phases and how you progress through them is 100% personally developed – by each individual and on a one-way-one basis. It's impossible to say for one year only, you're only going to work on your strength and you're going to work on your throwing secondary. And then in year two, you're going to flip-flop and you're going to work on your throwing. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, So I think it really just bases upon the athlete's performance and what becomes their limiting factor. Uh, Go back down. There was uh, one where a guy was talking about, uh, is Johnny Wad getting phased out? Yeah, that's what's actually
1: going right into. So I got it right here, John. Is Johnny Wad being phased out? Why, I wonder It why doesn't th- get nearly as much airtime or promotion as the other programs. And he loves it. I mean, he loves the Salty well, Wads. I've made tremendous progress with it. Field Strong was awesome, but I just couldn't fit it into my schedule with my job and my martial arts training. Sign- is okay, Johnny
2: go. Watt being phased out? Uh, have you seen the program um, not pop up? I mean, it's still there.
1: Well, I guess well, like in these questions, people are asking ask all these questions we, we're never like well johnny wad's the solution yeah,
2: we don't really get a ton of johnny wad questions on this power athlete deal because mm-hmm. johnny wad is kind of like the drunk uncle that hangs out only shows up for holidays
1: but is really fucking fun uh, to party with
2: yeah he likes to party and he fucking slays it all day um realistically uh johnny wad is um is really the alter ego of what we do over here uh mm-hmm. it's uh, heavy hard and fast Um, you know and here's the interesting thing man people make phenomenal gains Uh, I think there's I don't know. I mean, I know there's a few thousand people that follow it pretty religiously and the people that do it love it. Right. So uh, it's not getting face out. It's not going anywhere. It still is a website. It still is up. I still enjoy programming it. And by far mm-hmm. of any of the programs that I do, it is it is the one that I look forward to doing the most because I get to laugh and I get to steal things from my own training. I get to mix different attempts and I get to have a sense of humor. Like right now, I kind of rebooted the uh, Uh, The first Avenger, so we're actually, you know, I had a a series of Marvel uh, cycles and I rebooted the first Avenger, which had this epic uh, volume squat, which was like 40 and 50 reps. Um, So I'm rebooting that and uh, just doing a bunch of, you know, added in our, um, you know, single leg squats with active foot for some things. Right. Uh, Using that with compensatory acceleration. There's still a ton of pulling. And for the most part, um, everybody that does it gets salty and jacked. So it's good stuff.
1: And and I guess... And it's not a bad thing. Listen, people, like Johnny Wad's going to give you gains. It's going to get you good at Johnny Wad, right? And that's kind of like uh, the thing.
2: Uh, you know, I'll, but uh, not to cut you off, what I imagine for Johnny Wad, this is like when I picture like the guy who's fucking reached the pinnacle of Johnny Wad, it just like the, the scene of like, uh, you have like a fucking salty washboard ab and with an incredible girl just licking that off of your abs and being like, God, I'm just going to, you know, lick these like an ice cream cone. Yeah, and that's that's like the picture in my mind when I think of like what would you want your pinnacle Johnny Water to be? I'd be like honestly, uh, the type of dude where you know you can get a girl to lick the you know lick the sweat off your washboard abs, or or guy if you want to lick you know if you're a girl because I know there's some Johnny Watts out there. So that's what I picture abs just sweaty getting licked on.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a different style of programming, and people want it. And honestly. It falls more into that functional movement, I guess, shit you're kind of used to in a, a box-type gym, and the equipment is yeah. selected in that way as well, and it's fun, and it's, there's nothing fucking wrong with it. But, uh, you know, I guess our passion is, is athleticism, and is yeah. it the best tool to train athleticism? No. Is it going to hurt you by doing it? No, that's the great thing about it is fucking Wellborn puts his magic wizard cap on and you know gets strips down to his thong underwear and starts Uh, programming for johnny wad and
2: i I actually (laughs) uh the only the you guys are gonna laugh at this uh johnny wad is always written uh late at night uh after my kids go to bed and actually after i've had three beers yeah so i'll I'll sit down (laughs) it's weird and i'll sit down and I'll, i'll i'll crack a couple beers and it's usually later after my kids go to bed my wife will go to bed and i'll be all by myself i'll drink a couple beers and that's when i get fucking on the johnny wad Mm -hmm. and i'll watch some youtube videos i try to find some new movements i'll find some stuff that laugh and uh it usually gets programmed later towards the end of night and i usually wait until somebody fucking makes a cunty comment like "How come it isn't loaded yet and i'll be like oh I don't know, man. Are they clamoring? They're are they just, angry? It they hasn't want, loaded? Then they, they fucking want the Johnny Wall. They, they want, want the want money this. shot. And you know what? I'll give <laughs> it to gonna, them. You're going to get it
1: in the face. So, similar but unrelated, uh, Ray Reed asks Do you recommend any programs for preparing for the military? A um, couple questions. What, what type of like, basic service? Like basic training? Are you going to uh, SOCOM? What are you doing? A few things that we can tell you confidently that our active military folks who are following Field Strong. Are regularly fucking off the charts on their PT tests. Yeah. So that's the answer there. And because of this, that's why we've had a great opportunity working with the military and the army in certain projects. And yeah, so I guess if you, here's the thing, Ray Reed, if you are, if you have time, jump on bedrock and start there. You start there, 20, 30 weeks, and then graduate to Field Strong. It's going to best prepare you for the demands of that military. However, remember there's shit that we don't prepare you for in the programming which is going to be your long runs and long rucks right so you're going to have to work that stuff in typically on wednesdays and saturdays and you're going to have to take a progressive approach to that as well so there's plenty of fucking people on those feeds the power athlete forums are populated and loaded with that type of advice so that is the answer if you are a military guy or gal looking to best prepare yourself for the training rigors of your service right what do you want to talk about here? Uh, you sent us a, a hang on, message. Hang on, hang on. Oh, I got a question here. Uh, so how do you guys feel about chicken? Uh,
2: you know, you sent me over that deal about Harbaugh's thing about hating chicken, and I actually uh, cropped it and was getting ready to load it to my Instagram because I could not agree more with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Jim. I played for John, and uh, I don't think that I've ever heard a coach hit it More square on the head when he said that uh, I believe what he said was that uh, a chicken is a scared animal and that nervous bird, a nervous bird. And it'll basically make you a nervous football player. And he said, I take a vitamin every day. It's called steak. (laughs) And you know what? Like there's a reason that my two year old little boy, when I ask him what he wants for dinner, he goes steak and Mio. So Mio is code for milk because he can't say milk yet, but it's steak and Mio. You know, he never asked for chicken you know why
1: because your smart and chicken's fucking awful it it is
2: fucking awful. but uh, let me tell you a story do you know what's better than chicken Luke? what tastes better than chicken
1: uh dirt with chicken on it
2: yeah dirt (laughs) is fucking better than chicken i hate chicken and you know what uh like like believe me nobody comes in and goes oh man i can't believe uh, look how delicious that chicken looks i can't wait to have some dried chicken for dinner
1: guess what i had for breakfast Dried chicken? Yeah, I put it in the fucking crock pot, and it fucking overcooked. Do you know what I had for guess dinner what, last night? Guess what I'm having for lunch? Fucking dry chicken.
2: Do you know what I had? I had dry chicken for dinner last night, and you know what I did? I covered it in olive oil, and you know what? I sat on myself and slurped it down.
1: Not me, man. You know what I cover my chicken in? Well, first off, my go-to is green dragon sauce, but my house sitter seems to have eaten it all and not replaced the stock. I'm looking at you, McQuilkin. Thanks for watching the house. That was really... So I've gone to Mateo's. You better, better fill it up before tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so Costco, John, has a salsa, and this is like a shameless plug for them, I guess, called Mateo's Salsa. It's fucking big. like It's red, and it's super garlicky, oh, super salty. Love it. Love it. It's great with chicken. Huh? So I've got dried chicken that I shred, and it's literally like a chicken chip. And I just fucking like... <laughs> It it sounds awful. It's great. I I, love it. uh, Stan
2: Stan Efferding had a a thing on his Instagram where he was talking about like, uh, you know, uh, strong dudes don't eat chicken. You ever seen a strong chicken? And then somebody had like a clip of that, like massive chicken coming out of the thing. (laughs) It's pretty funny. And uh, I commented on that, which I usually don't. But I was like, I fucking hate chicken. I hate chicken. And you know where it came from? In college. We would go buy these uh, uh, chicken breasts from Costco that was like 30 frozen chicken breasts. You're going to say George Foreman, aren't you? And we would cook them on the George Foreman cooker. uh, Steamed white rice, uh, fucking grilled chicken, and black beans. And that was our fucking meal. And to this day, every time I eat the chicken, it takes me back to our, you know, uh, Derby Street house at that fucking kitchen, just George foreman up grilled chicken. And I hate it.
1: Ah. But you got to do it. You got to mix it in. Like I do. I just, I, yeah. I got to. I can't, the, ever since Jack Street won, when i all I ate was red meat. Yeah. It, like I just, I need the no, variety. it's good. You know?
2: Yeah. You got to throw a little variety in it. And also, what's kind of tough on the, especially if you're trying to match your macros by eating red meat all the time. Yeah. You're fat. It fats. basically cu- uh, cuts or, or it increases the fat. So then, if you want to add like uh, monounsaturated, like olive oil, yeah, I you recommend, right, right. or some coconut oil or whatnot, you almost need to eat something leaner so that I can supplement with the fats on the backside. Because if not, I'm always eating it. But I definitely would say, uh, if you had, if I had one food now, uh, we need to reach out and get this, uh, I think it's Sean Baker, the guy that does the carnivore diet, mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast, just cause I, I think, uh, I've been following him and I saw him on Joe Rogan and listened to him on Rob Wolf. And, uh, I don't think he's really doing the carnivore diet. I think he's doing the rich white guy Costco diet of just eating fillets in New York's all the day Yeah, to really do the carnivore diet you got to eat from the root of the tutor. you got to (laughs) eat all of the fucking organ meats. you got to eat everything. Like when we were in Argentina, and, dude, they brought out all those organ meats, all that stuff, and they crushed all that. Now, to me, that's a carnivore diet. Yes. Just the dude who wants to go to Costco or or, or, in uh, Whole Foods and get ribeyes and fillets for every meal, which I'm not opposed to. That's not the carnivore diet. That's just like the rich guy want to eat steak diet, and I'm going to try to uh, uh, convince everybody that I'm a carnivore. If you're a carnivore, eat everything.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm fuck. with you, dude. I've been I, like I've told you guys, my my secret potion that I don't think you guys are going to be willing to do is organ meats every week, like every uh, week, every that's uh, three not true. days, three days. I a week.
2: got uh, beef livers and mm. got them ground up and I'm mixing them with the ground oh, beef.
1: Fuck no. you, man. Right. Now, here's how I do it. Uh, I, I accidentally overcook it but then I'm too, like, cheap to throw it away. Mm. So then I just, like, chew on it and then, like, take a big swig of water and choke yeah. it down. Uh, so the don't, other- <laughs> don't
2: forget about all the complaining. <laughs> the other
3: one is... is yeah, Tex
1: uh, got to witness it. the like, beef Fuh. hearts,
2: The beef hearts, you can throw those in oh, the yeah. grinder and mm-hmm. then they mix it up. So, like, liver, heart, and ground beef mixes up. But well, it's then all pretty good.
1: No, it, it, but the the thing there is it isn't as lean. So, like, going back to the lean meats, like, another thing you could do is beef liver isn't, uh, isn't super fatty. Uh, heart, if you trim it isn't super fatty yeah. as well so that's like a re- a red meat that you could i'll tell you
2: though i do feel better uh eating the organ meats and i'll tell you this uh i feel more virile uh mm-hmm. eating those like uh like there's something in those i don't know if that makes yeah. me want to fucking literally tear things in
1: half so my buddy drew ski he's like man i'll tell you what like i get a taste of blood i get a taste of blood in my mouth and uh and I'll tell you, it it like it changes the way I train. Well, Drewski's a crazy person.
2: He is a but fucking... But this gives us another opportunity to discuss and really just throw some uh, some praise at Stay Classy Meats. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, the who, hell, they're
1: one of our sponsors uh, for uh, the Symposium.
2: Dude, uh, the Flutters and the guys from Stay Classy have literally crushed it out the park with by far what I would think the best uh cuts of meat um so they just recently i I got a box and they asked me hey is there anything uh you know we we have our our box you know we normally send out is there anything extra you want and my comment to them is send me whatever people don't want send me anything weird anything that you think like "Ah, i don't know and they sent me and i i I literally i I almost cried uh they sent me buffalo skirt steak and when i undid them they were perfect uh threw them in a big container with a little um Uh, lime juice and sea salt let them kind of marinate and that's that lime juice kind of breaks it up a little bit Throw them on the barbecue home run
1: i'll tell you what their fucking jerky is it's unreal like i'm telling you john uh the well food Co. jerky was my number one jerky until these fucking guys came Uh, out it's good
2: i'm good good, but uh yeah man um i got some uh do we have um, a coupon code or anything uh we do and we'll put it in the show notes all right i think right. it's is like it is sausage it... party <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> It is now.
2: well it is now
1: but no people check out the show notes because they're fucking hooking us yeah, up with uh, yeah. awesome sponsors And they're in they're they're dude, they they're came, everything that power athlete yeah.
2: stands for they came to the power athlete symposium uh they showed up with like 142 ounce kobe tomahawks uh and dude they cooked them up flutter's crushed it cooking on mm-hmm. my cowboy cauldron and uh probably one of the best dinners i've ever had it was one of those nights where like i wished it didn't end like the house looked great yeah, like the backyard awesome. everything was a home run man to like see like a world-class chef like flutters out there cooking on my cauldron um you know brandon, brandon lily triple fisting yeah, uh, yeah you know yeah, of course yeah, i mean you know so it was good it was awesome but uh, i'm really looking forward to this year too
1: pulling another the rabbit hole let's get back to training okay text i'm Give gonna me in. this this one's for text john you're gonna have to let text answer I'm curious to see what he says. This is from my boy, Jake. It's actually on uh, Instagram stories. Oh. Okay. Uh, Jake has actually got like a CrossFit Naperville guy. We, one of my first years training, I started training with him. He's a big fucking grindstone guy. He just smashed a PR on mm-hmm. grindstone as well. Uh, he said, can an athlete get by on heavy barbell lunges alone? And I think not. like in addition, he means absent of a back squat. Like how big of a hole is left exposed without squatting? So let's say you did all the training and you replaced heavy barbell squats with heavy barbell lunges. What are they training for? Uh, let's just grindstone. So stay in shape. He's a firefighter. Oh, yeah. Uh, I say,
3: yeah. I mean, he's, he's clearly established some form of base level so based let's, off but, sagittal
1: movements. But let's say you haven't. Let's say you're, start, you're a new athlete. and he's, This goes back to a conversation that we had many <laughs> years ago. In San Antonio. I, I think it was
2: at a strip club. Oh, a buffet. It was oh, a buffet. Yeah, it was a buffet. Where Luke yeah. asked, can you do a linear, can you linear progress? lunging mm-hmm. and step ups and i said you can linear progress anything no 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 what i said is you can linear progress anything but i don't think that you will be able to keep up on the linear progression as long mm-hmm. as you can on a back squat with the single jointed movements or i mean yeah. sorry with a uh, unilateral movements. but at a, this point in his life i say absolutely yeah well i mean i i said i forgot who we had on the podcast recently oh. uh where we were discussing it that Uh, that I squatted into a point where I remember when I was training with Roth, we threw in a lot of lunging And it was interesting how I could squat 600 pounds for reps. Yeah, Donnie. And I really struggled just doing bodyweight lunges. And all of a sudden, when we got to the point where I was lunging and we were lunging heavy and, you know, barbell on the back and able to do walking lunges with 225, all of a sudden my performance shot through the roof and I hadn't been squatting. And so the reason became squatting and bilateral strength and hip and all that wasn't my limiting factor, but my ability to be strong on one leg And and moving through space was and so then that became a uh, a driving factor in the training and science is catching up with us because now
3: they're looking at the, the lunge for acl injury prevention wow so i know not just the squat wow. and then the title of the study squat now it's getting there over it i think and getting mm. into the lunge well so
1: i don't think um, but like okay let's say for an amateur so a novice athlete could could you progress through that? Yeah, but are you better off progressing with a barbell? Well, and, you get and into barbell the barbell
3: of the world, and they have great success.
1: Yeah, but they're not—they're split squatting.
2: Okay, I do like a Bulgarian split
3: squat. Yeah, so split uh, squat I'd say
1: is different than lunge.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what I like about well, we, mm, what I like about the lunge is your ability to go from one position and then drive through and then transition Mm -hmm. into the next movement. Moving through space. space. Right. So I think just doing split squat lunges where you're just kind of going up and down and you're really not moving, you know, you're going, I guess, vertical space. You know, moving up and down is good. But where I really see the lunge over a split squat is your ability to, like, you know, go from uh, that position, lower yourself, and then drive through, no wedding step, and then transition Mm -hmm. and catch into the next one.
3: While we're on it, I will say your knee does not have to touch the damn ground. Yeah, your no, stop doing that. It doesn't. should go as low as you're able to maintain a straight line from the knee to the top of your head. And we challenge that position, and then you pull through. That will keep your your front legs, posterior chain loaded. You can pull through and increases the transfer to running, jumping, sprinting, mm-hmm. being more ballistic in a, a firefight.
1: But one something to consider, though, is in a barbell lunge, you will not... Be able to load right. as heavy as you can on bilateral squat, so you don't get the reciprocal benefits of carrying a heavier bar on your back during a squat. But could theoretically be combated with like really fucking heavy carries, right? Well,
2: yeah, I mean, you now, but now you're talking about having to supplement yep. a movement. Why not to, just
1: fucking squat to accomplish it all? Yeah, alone, right? I mean,
2: there's uh, there's a reason we talk about having a complete program X, Y, and Z. You know, step squat and lunge. Uh, the idea is because they all complement each other. You know, you have your bilateral mover, and then you transition into those, you know, unilateral movements. So it works in a really good. I think any time that you, and we've always said it, the any time you start subtracting these things, you become a deficient program. So just saying, hey, we only do this. Now you become deficient. We do everything.
1: I feel like we got momentum. Are we good to go? Texture, do you want to add? Uh, I got. We got momentum here. Um, I think this will be a good well, one.
2: I will
3: say we talk oh, you in fucking... great depth about the lunge <laughs> and combining it with other primal
1: movements in the Power Athlete Methodology course now open. Hmm. So Krat1208, uh, I think this will be a good one, um, Ask and this is also in the story, so Shorty, uh, how do I know when and at what frequency to incorporate sled work into my program?
2: If you got to ask, big man, you can't That's afford it. That's the
1: thing. A couple things on it, like... Um, we don't know what the fuck you're training for a and b but here's the thing with sleds is it's all concentric loading it's all it can be ballistic it can be grind it can well, be a what number kind of
2: things now if you're dragging a sled then there's an eccentric load how so right because isn't as you pull through so think about it, as you're pulling through like if i'm doing it i'm reaching and pulling mm-hmm. but that would be concentric wouldn't would that be it? be concentric would there ever be an
1: eccentric load Unless someone's pushed, like it's real world tactical situation and someone's pushing the sled back at you.
2: Hmm, interesting. I always thought mm-hmm. there might be some form of. Eccentric. Well, I guess there's
1: kind of. Yeah, there the could force, be downward slightly, but. Yeah, so as you're
2: doing the pull through, yeah. to me, was. Uh, so that
1: could be, yeah, in the ankle. But not. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah. But, anyways, I think you could fucking push and pull sleds every day, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Asked and answer. That's a fucking easy one. Okay, John. How do you feel about Indian club training? Are you serious? Yeah, that's a question.
2: Um, uh, sure. I mean, if uh, but what
1: about like as your core strength training? No, <laughs> no. So you still need to use a barbell? Uh, yeah.
2: Okay. I mean, I, I like I've seen the Indian clubs. I think they were kind of cool, and I've seen them for a supplemental program. Um, I've never. Uh, Seen an athlete of any significant note worth that's ever been like, man, the difference in my performance before and after adding Indian clubs in Mm -hmm. was by far the greatest deciding factor whether or not I got to play 10 years in the NFL. I just don't really uh, – I I think it's good in terms of, you know, being able to develop trunk station, rotation. I think it's got some really interesting things – uh, do I think it's a panacea that, um, you know, I got to go pay $1,000 to Onnit to teach me how to do, you know, their uh, uh, Indian Clubs program? No. Um, if you want to buy some Indian Clubs and fuck around with them, go for it. Uh, our boy at Wolf Brigade does a ton of stuff with uh, with different clubs and implements and swings and this, and, you know, I really enjoy what he does. But at the end of the day... Uh, it's just, it's kind of like the battling ropes. If you want to do it, you want to do it, but I really don't ever believe that that becomes the deciding factor in somebody's training. Right.
1: I'm with you. And we, we fucked around a little bit with it at, on it. We were working with uh, a dude over there, Christian, who was like their mobility dude. He was pretty switched on. He's a cool guy. Um, and it just was like, all right, you know what I mean? I don't know.
3: Well, in terms of skill acquisition, we could do anything and everything that was thrown at us.
1: Yeah. Uh. Except for some of the hip flow shit. I wasn't very the very like the beginning to your bones, dude. They're yeah, too that's, dense. That's what I'm going to. That's a good point. You know, Tex, you fucking raise a great point. I've been saying um, it for years. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Hopefully a speeder. And then uh, I don't know. Do you guys want to keep going? OK, so how about this for each of you? Answer, John, were you a WWF guy? Like, did you watch it?
2: Uh, yeah, like WrestleMania back in yeah. the day, like early, stuff. like mid 90s, 90s. No, we were more probably like the 80s. Okay, so uh, well,
1: but uh, but but actually
2: we did uh so we didn't have a TV in college. Uh-huh. Uh but we did get a chance to watch uh I remember seeing like Goldberg and some of that yeah. stuff.
1: Okay, so but this I, guy-
2: I I I was more like uh Jimmy Superfly Snooka, Hulk Hogan, uh Macho Man Randy Savage which watching the old clips I always think cocaine's a hell of a drug.
1: Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So oh, yeah. So I'm going to kick tomorrow, Instagram name. For each of you, uh, who is your favorite mid-90s? We'll just go whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever fucking, sorry, vetoing mid-90s. WWF slash WWE tag team. And do you have a reason why? Devo. Tag team?
2: I don't, uh, I, that's really outside my wheelhouse, but. You got one?
3: Uh, I got one, but he's probably not going to like it because I'm not a big wrestling guy. Sure, I sure. Watched it enough, uh-huh. but then I guess only watched Monday night on UPN in high school a little bit, uh-huh. but it was freaking Triple H and Steph McMahon. Oh. Fucking power couple. God. And then I, I, I watched a, ESPN did ESPN documentary <sighs> on Triple H.
2: You're, H. Such, you're such a douche.
3: Text uh, go, in, go, go ahead. ESPN did a documentary on Triple H and the WWE, and then I guess the back side mm. of it that I had no idea about. And dude made a name for himself beyond. I guess when his athletic career was over, what did he do? Still turned team? in like he, you know, was a wrestler. Oh, but then went to the the business side and then turned it in, helped turn it into a you know continuing
2: global empire. Oh yeah, no, they're they're, they're crushing
1: it. Tex, I want you to ch- try and search in real quick on the search bar. Search for bushwhackers. Entry, oh, yeah. WWF. Oh, I love the Bushwhackers. they and were if, great. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have to ask why my, the Bushwhackers are my fucking favorite tag team.
2: Uh, what was the name of the dude who was, uh, they, they were the Australian dudes, right? Yeah, the Bushwhackers.
1: Yeah, they would come in and they'd fucking march in doing like this fucking thing right here. Dude, it, awesome. No. They who, were the fucking wildest Aussie boys in the who, WWF. Who were the guys
2: that Legion had of Doom? the, the uh, were they ones with the football pads with yeah, the Spikes? Yeah,
1: with the Spikes yes bushwhackers promo and you're gonna fucking figure it out they're the f- <laughs> that's their shit man and then there's also the genetti brothers marty genetti and sean genetti oh, they were yeah. the big in the acrobatics uh but i have to go with the bushwhackers but i think this is probably what 89 so this is early 90s
2: uh, i'll tell you man uh probably the greatest uh tag team was when uh when so i don't know you guys remember this but um uh, Macho Man Randy Savage had, like, uh, who, who was his manager? It was, like, his girl was, like... Um, oh, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And so you remember, like, that whole thing with that Ravishing Rick dude? Ravishing Rick, Rick Rude. Rude, yeah. Where he had, like, her picture on his pants. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, trying to, like, quarter. And he came out and he, uh, he, he jumped on uh, Macho Man, was beating him down. And then Hulk Hogan came out and saved him. And mm-hmm. they had been, like, mortal enemies. Uh-huh. And then they became a tag team. That was by far the best. And then they went over to the New World Order and became the NWO, which I thought was the best part of the whole thing. Yeah, so that
1: was a great era as well, like the NWO and the Wolf Pack. And then you had fucking—dude, it was—
2: I used to have an NWO shirt uh, that I used to wear before uh, football games. And then on my senior wills, I gave it to one of the other dudes.
1: Man, that was a good time. Those were good days. Yeah. (sighs) Is Macho Man still alive? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he's still alive. yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. Well, ladies and gentlemen, man, that was a lot of questions. Oh, Miss Elizabeth died?
2: Maybe. At just 42 years old. Holy fuck. Wait, hold on. Go up to her Wikipedia. Go up, go up. Yeah, it showed her as uh, acute toxicity. That will happen. She was born in sixty. Died in 2003. Wow. It's unfortunate.
1: And then uh, I got Logan Christensen. Final question. This is going to be an easy one. He just got to a gym where he has verse climbers now available to him. And what do we use them for?
2: You- uh, what I always liked on the Versa Climber was 100 flights of stairs. Right. So you can do flights of stairs. Uh, we would do 100 flights. Uh, Ten rounds, so you would go like max as far as you can, and then a partner goes, and you basically do like at a partner switch, and you try to get to like who can get like a uh, uh, who can get there the fastest, and we would compete against them back at the athletes' performance or um, at uh, athletes' performance.
1: Yeah, very sim- like similar protocols. You'd use Airdyne and, and uh, fucking uh, Airdyne and a rower on, and dude, like, burn it uh, down. Uh, don't short it. Don't do that little. Uh, don't do the little that like like Wellborn did to I... win. No, you got to stroke, stroke, uh, dude,
2: stroke, uh, uh, extend. Uh, Probably one of the interesting things with my shoulder injury is the fact that I can't do the verse climber the same way I used to, which I am more than okay with. <laughs> I like it like when when I get my shoulder feeling like fixed up and I feel it better and I get back on the burst climber I'll be like, fuck now I have no excuse not to get on this motherfucker.
1: So after my bulk I use that was my primary tool if you remember yeah. of cardio. So if you do want to do a half hour session on it, dude, it's fucking intense. It's awful. But here's what you gotta do, man. So you're gonna go double overhand, you're gonna have to throw in a single fish hook, which is one supine every once in a while, just to give your hands a break, and then you can shift where your hips are over yeah, it, yeah, right? To it change back. like yeah. to get into your posterior chain for a little bit, and then you shift your hips forward, let your knees go forward, let your Quads pump a little bit. Ooh, that would be belt squat and fucking forward ship versus uh, climber dude, would be gnarly. The
2: banded belt squat thing that we did the other day. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm in.
1: These people don't know. Like you, people, listen, you don't even know. You're out there training in your own little world. And we're up here in the twisted mind of John Wellborn. It is. I think I've brought this movie up occasionally on this podcast. But whatever's going on in John's head, you know what it is? The cell. (laughs) John has this like but not like a weird demented like it's not a weird demented serial killer
2: is Jennifer Lopez going to go in my brain
1: yeah like you're going to go in there and it's just people doing the most torturous fucking training in like a dark grimy gym with weird they're like rounded back safety bar good mornings okay John whatever you say oh yeah safety bar good morning
2: (laughs) yeah you remember we did that one
1: safety bar back extension do you
2: remember we did the safety safety bar bar back extension is what I'm talking about yeah don't worry we got those coming this week (laughs) Uh, my favorite one was when we were doing dead band deadlifts with the safety squat bar over around the neck
1: <laughs> yeah it's just a weird twisted mind of john wellborn and if you haven't seen the cell starring sandra or sandra uh, bullock <laughs> uh, j-lo is ben affleck in there no that's geely yeah no that's the wrong cell yeah it's wow. the cell that's it
2: that's it no if you go up that's the one right there yeah but
1: who's in it the yeah cell. that's yeah, the, the it's cell. Got j-lo j-lo oh, vince vaughn vince vaughn that's right and vincent don what's it say uh, don frio yeah. It's fun. it's great. It's a super twisted no, dude, movie. dude, yeah, we saw it. So, I like it. And I guess there's our shameless promotion for The Cell, which we have no fucking skin in the game. Anyways, people, that's another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. And
2: remember, if you want your ing, ing, ing shirt, please send an email to Harry at PowerAthleteHQ with the subject line, ing, ing, ing. And then in the body of the message, just put, I want it. I want it.
1: You can use as many periods as you want, people. Okay, thanks.
0: Bye. 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 Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Now for your weekly dose of why you should attend the Power Athlete Symposium in Austin, Texas, December 7th through 9th. Just a reminder as we kick off our annual Wade's Army campaign that this entire event is to fund research and assistance to the families who are suffering from this terrible disease, neuroblastoma, which is a form of pediatric cancer. We love doing the event, but we love it even more knowing that your attendance is directly benefiting those families. If that's not a good enough reason to attend, I I don't know what is. Until next time, bye!